Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where, man, every couple hours, my head is spinning from all the news breaking out. We must be in an election because a lot of uh, things are happening all at once. Uh, We're going to have a great show today. My good friend and one of the true champions and heroes of unraveling the Russia collusion case joins us today. Greg Jarrett, the great Fox News analyst, the great author of two best-selling books on the Russia hoax. Uh, He's going to be here to talk about all the big developments. We're going to break them down. Yeah, we've got a little revelations on uh, new declassifications. we got the president giving a sweeping declassification order to get the rest of the information out. We've got uh, new subpoenas going out. Greg's going to be here to break all that down and make sense of it as he does so well every night on Fox News and, of course, in his amazing books and columns that I read so closely every day. Uh, But before we get to that and that great interview, we want to tell you about all the things that are happening around town. There's a big terrorism case that was filed today, historic, bringing justice to the families of several people whose children and loved ones were killed and beheaded by ISIS six years ago under President Obama. President Trump has brought two of the perps to justice today. Big announcement there. We're going to get to that in a few seconds. In addition... Uh, there was a subpoena issued overnight. That's right. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, dropped a subpoena for the other informant, not Christopher Steele, the one we're always talking about, but that mysterious professor that worked for the Pentagon, a guy named Stefan Halper. We're going to tell you about that. In addition, uh, we want to talk about the importance of what the president did last night after the most recent declassification of intelligence showing that the CIA had concerns Hillary Clinton might have manufactured Russia collusion against Donald Trump to distract from her own problems, to vilify him and to distract from her own Russia and email problems. Uh, the president did something pretty dramatic. We're going to tell you what that is as well and what it could mean for the final 25, 26, 27 days of the election. But before we get to all that, which is a lot, let's go to a quick commercial break and hear from the great people, uh, the great sponsors, the great advertisers who make this show possible every day. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And oh my gosh, so many things to tell you about in so short a time. Uh, And don't forget the big thing we're waiting for, Greg Jarrett, the amazing Fox News analyst, the great author, one of the true heroes of unraveling the Russia collusion scandal. He joins us for an exclusive interview in just a few minutes. But before we do that, 
I want to tell you about some breaking news. If you go to justthenews.com, check out the top headlines. You're going to find all this in a nice, succinct way. But I'm going to tell you three uh, developments that I think are very, very important, all in the last 24 hours, some of them in the last 12 hours. First, uh, this morning, we broke it first here at uh, justthenews.com. President um, Trump has ordered two ISIS militants. They were part of a group that was nicknamed the Beatles because they had British accents. Uh, These were some of the most heinous members of ISIS. They are the ones who captured Americans and Westerners, tortured them, and then killed them, and in many cases beheaded them. They're no longer walking free. They're no longer uh, going to uh, uh, laugh at impunity. They're being brought to the United States. They have been indicted on charges related to the beheadings and killings of several Americans, including uh, the former American aid worker, Kayla Mueller, whose parents have been so passionate in pleading for justice. Uh, Some of the others that these two thugs uh, are tied to killing uh, include two journalists and another American aid worker. All of them are so uh, important. Uh, I want to mention their names so we never forget them. Kayla Mueller, of course, I just mentioned her. Uh, another USAID worker, Peter Kasich. Uh, and then the journalists, James Foley and Stephen Sotloff, all victims of this horrible ISIS cell that broke out when Barack Obama was in charge and ISIS was running rampant in Syria and uh, in uh, Iraq. It turns out the U.S. has had custody of these guys for a while. They got permission to extradite them. The United uh, British government agreed to allow their citizens to come here. And as a result, uh, they were charged today in Alexandria, Virginia court. So right outside of the city of Washington in Virginia, uh, among the charges that these two thugs, and I'm going to name them so you don't ever forget their names, Alexander Cote and El-Shifi El-Sheikh. El-Shifi El-Sheikh, Alexander Cote, um, they're facing uh, the following charges. Hostage taking, resulting in death. Conspiracy to murder U.S. citizens outside the United States. Conspiracy to provide material support to a foreign terrorist organization and other related conspiracy charges. That's a big deal. It's a big win in the war on terrorism. But most importantly, it's so important to all those families of those victims, the Mueller's and the um, Foley's and the Sotlofs, Scottlofs and the Cassocks, All of them suffered for many years, not knowing whether justice would be brought. Today, uh, a major strike, a major blow against these ISIS thugs. They've been brought to the United States. They're facing charges. They're going to be convicted. If they are convicted, they're going to face life in prison, never again to uh, terrorize or horrify the world with their heinous crimes that we saw uh, play out six years ago. It was actually six years ago that those beheadings began. I know we all remember them and how shocked we were. Um, Chris Ray was at the, the FBI director was at the news conference today. And I know some people get frustrated about his role in the Russia gate, but on this case, the FBI did a great job. And I want to just read a couple of uh, words of what he said, because I think it brought a personal element to an otherwise legal proceeding. He said, the families of the victims have suffered the painful loss of their loved ones at the hands of brutal killers. While their pain may never subside, today with the announcement of this indictment, we're beginning to bring them the justice they deserve. But we owe these families more than justice, he said. We also owe them our gratitude. Their advocacy for the loved ones has led to positive changes in how our government supports and partners with victims' families. Um, 
one of the things that the FBI doesn't get a lot of credit for. I know there's a lot of frustration about what on with Russia under James Comey and Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Bill Priestap. I get that. But the FBI also does amazing work every day. And in this case, and in many of the hostage release cases, the FBI has been the lead agency for a very long time trying to get answers. They work very uniquely with the families of the victims. Some who don't have bodies don't know for sure. They believe their daughter or son was killed, uh, but they don't even have the closure of a body uh, and a funeral uh, to to uh, be sure. Uh, and the FBI works through these extraordinarily painful circumstances. And they do a great job and they extract information that often can help the FBI either bring the killers to justice or in the happier moments, sometimes as President Trump has shown very effectively, we bring some of these hostages home before they're killed. That is good for America. And bravo to the FBI and to men and women there who work this case, work the hostage uh, division every day. They're bringing invaluable, valuable work. They're bringing closure to pained families. And in some cases, they're bringing safety to those who were wrongly captured overseas. Uh, great story, a reason to be excited uh, today. There was real news and um, those thuggish killers that we saw on, on uh, TV flaunting their ISIS uh, propaganda, killing innocent Americans, beheading them. They're not only no longer free, they're coming to the United States to face the ultimate justice here. Big development in uh, the news today. Just broke a little while ago. In fact, just the news was the first to get this story out this morning. Big, big stuff. So good stuff there. Hey, we got a debate tonight. No, not Donald Trump and Joe Biden. That's a week off yet. Um, but Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, they square off tonight, vice presidential debate. You can watch it live on justthenews.com or, of course, on all of the network television uh, stations that will be carrying it tonight. But I just want to mention that. Can't forget about that. Another big development last night. President Trump orders the declassification of all Russia and Clinton email scandals. He announced this in a tweet about 10 o'clock last night. And uh, he was unequivocal. No more foot dragging. No more redactions. No more hiding. No more obfuscating. He said, I have fully authorized a total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest political crime in American history, the Russia hoax. Likewise, the Hillary Clinton email scandal, no redactions. That's what he tweeted in the first round. And then he poked in the ribs all of those um, bureaucrats who have been slow to release this information because he originally ordered this information released. In fact, shortly after I met and interviewed him in May of 2019, a lot of things didn't happen after the president made that order. And he made clear today he's unhappy uh, the, about the foot dragging. Here's what he said. All Russia hoax scandal information was declassified by me long ago. Unfortunately for our country, people have acted very slowly, especially since it is perhaps the biggest political crime in the history of our country. So he poked those ribs. At, if I, I'm Gina Haspel, the CIA director, Chris Ray, the FBI director, who, by the way, deserves credit in the other case. I'd be feeling a little nervous about what the president thinks about their effort. They better get on the schneid. Let's get these documents declassified so that people in a real America can figure out what happened in the 2016 election before we finally cast our vote in the 2020 election. Hey, important development last night. Of course, we're going to talk with Greg about the declassification, declassification yesterday. We talked about that on the podcast. You know all about it, so we won't go over that again today. But we're going to get Greg's perspective on that. We also had the amazing Devin Nunez on yesterday. He had a lot of very valuable things to say about the nature of this 
um, case. And so let's keep an eye on that and all of these declassifications. I suspect more are coming uh, before Election Day, many others after as well. That'll be unfortunate, the ones that come after the Election Day. But progress on that front. Finally, uh, we're going to get to Greg Jarrett here in a second. I don't want to keep talking, but just for a few seconds. Um, last night, the Senate Homeland Security Committee, chaired by Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, a Republican senator, uh, issued a subpoena for Stefan Halper. He's what I call the other um, informant in the Russia case. Where the, the one we're most famously uh, acquainted with is Christopher Steele, the British MI6 former spy who wrote the dossier at, uh, while being paid by Hillary Clinton's campaign and her law firm uh, to smear Donald Trump with what turned out to be Russian disinformation and false in un verified information. But Stefan Halper played a big role too. He went undercover for the FBI. He intercepted his conversations with people like George Papadopoulos and uh, Carter Page. And those transcripts show that those men were insisting on their innocence, knocking down what the FBI had. Halper's interactions with those witnesses become very important because that was the exculpatory evidence of innocence that that FBI under James Comey, Andy McKay, Peter Strzok, kept secret from the court, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that with um, Greg Jarrett. He has long said that the withholding of that exculpatory information, the falsification of some evidence, the uh, claim that they were giving verified evidence that was actually unverified, in some cases uh, invalidated evidence, um, could lead to criminal charges. We're going to ask Greg, who's a lawyer, to help us handicap those charges. But subpoena for Stefan Halper. Let's see if he shows up, provides documents. If anything can happen before the election day, we're running out of time. But another development that I thought you'd find most important. All right, we're going to go to that quick commercial break. When we come back, Greg Jarrett, my good friend, here to talk all things Russia. I think we'll even slip in a question or two about, well, why not? Biden gate. We should. All right, but first, let's hear from our great sponsors and advertisers. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man who needs very little introduction on this show because of his great work. Greg Jarrett, the Fox News an, uh, legal analyst and also the author of two best-selling books. I've read them both sometimes, multiple times. The book Witch Hunt, the book R The Russia Hoax are must-reads for anyone who wants to learn how our government pulled off this incredible hoax that was the Russia collusion investigation. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Always great talking to you. It is, it's an honor to have you on. And what a day to have you on after all of the dizzying news of the last 24 hours. Uh, let me start off with the big, uh, the big question. What did you think about yesterday's release of the underlying documents showing uh, what happened uh, in the summer of 16 when the uh, CIA first learned that Hillary Clinton might have hatched a plot to uh, pin the Russia collusion story on Donald Trump? Well, it proves what you and I both have long suspected, that Hillary Clinton was behind it all, uh, that she 
invented out of thin air the you know the narrative that Trump was a Russian asset colluding with the Kremlin. Right. And you know, as I was writing the second book in particular, I it kept gnawing at me. So who created this whole thing? This fabrication um, that that really debilitated the Trump presidency and and led to a national nightmare for the American public. And I suspected, as I as I'm pretty sure you did, that it was Hillary Clinton. All yeah, along. absolutely. And and so what I did was I began to do a deep dive into Clinton. I went through all of her speeches and I realized that early in 2016, she was peppering her campaign speeches with these ridiculous accusations right. uh, that Trump was a Kremlin asset and a puppet of Putin and her acolytes escalated it. <clears throat> And her own website uh, made even more absurd claims. And, you know, it seemed like it was all drawn from the depths of Clinton's fictive imagination. It was right. devious with classic Clinton. And, in fact, uh, the Brennan declassified documents in his own handwriting uh, prove that that's what happened. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing, and it's so frustrating because if you watch some of the mainstream, in fact, most of the mainstream media, those who didn't report it, or many, those who did report it, kept calling it Russian disinformation, and it's anything but. We know the DNI himself has said the CIA never classified this intelligence that they had as Russian disinformation, yet the media uses that term anyways. In my book, uh, Fallout, we actually interviewed Hillary Clinton's campaign officials who acknowledged that they set out to create the Russian narrative after doing a poll. And this poll was in uh, late summer of 2015, so it fits right before she starts her speeches that you so uh, carefully documented in your book. And uh, and she, it found out that the Russia, her own dealings in Russia, particularly Bill Clinton's five hundred thousand dollar check, and uh, all the money that got collected off of the uranium one deal at the Clinton Foundation, and the email scandal were the two biggest things sitting in her way, uh, making voters unlikely to vote for her and uh, for president. And all of a sudden, they they started their research. They said to try to find dirt on Republicans in Russia to neutralize. The issue. So there's no disinformation. The Clinton campaigns acknowledge this in interviews with us. We put the poll out. You show the speeches. We know what Christopher Steele did. Uh, we know all the other people that were uh, peppering the FBI uh, with uh, Russia delusion information um, uh, that all come from the Clinton camp, whether it's Cody Scherer and, and his sidekick, Sidney Blumenthal or uh, David Korn. Um, how do we hold the media accountable for all of this false reporting? They keep trying to call something disinformation, but is ultimately irrefutably proven now. You know, the media will never admit that they were complicit uh, and, and, you know, willing accessories to the Russia hoax. They drove the narrative. In fact, the New York Times and the Washington Post received Pulitzer Prizes yeah, uh, for getting this story wrong. So they, they will never apologize or retract or admit their own wrongdoing. They will simply move on, uh, you know, to the next hope. Yeah. And because that, that's what they do. They're, they're devoid of principle and conscience. They're unscrupulous. And I, but I do think that people like you, uh, and I, I would include myself, sure. Kennedy, and a handful of others, 
I mean, I think it's really incumbent upon us to keep at it, to keep disclosing the truth, because, you know, the truth always has its enemies, as I wrote in my book. And this is a prime example of how nefarious people who abuse their positions of power uh, have, once caught, tried to cover up their wrongdoing. And, I, you know, it needs to be exposed. I hope Durham holds people accountable, but I really think it's up to people like you and myself and others uh, to unravel the truth that has been so uh, carefully and sedulously hidden from the American public. Uh, it, it is, and that, one of the great things about the era we live in, even with all of the advantages that the traditional media has, is that we have ways to go around them uh, and to report facts and put up information and get it to the American people. But you know, to the, in the millions of numbers every day, you you know, with Fox News, your incredible blog, uh, the new site we've created. Um, do you see the advent? I mean, I guess Fox was really the advent of it, but of an ecosystem of additional journalism organizations working together to provide the side of news that the current uh, mainstream media are ignoring. Do you see that growing? Is that one of the solutions here? Just continue to grow an infrastructure like the left has built? I, I hope it grows, John, uh, be, because it's desperately needed. Uh, you know, I, I devoted an entire chapter uh, to in my last book to uh, the media and, you know, how they drove the Russia hoax yeah. through both. It's my favorite chapter, in fact. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was called The Media Witch Hunt. Yep. Um, and, you know, they were so reckless. They were so negligent. Uh, and, you know, in the age of Trump, media malpractice on steroids is sadly endemic, especially in Washington. And it's driven in part by, you know, the, the unabashed hatred and scorn uh, that the media has for Donald Trump, for his policies, and frankly, for any conservatives. And, and so, you know, the people who are really digging out the facts, telling the truth, and doing so, I think, uh, fairly and objectively, is a, a small minority. The mainstream media has for years grown in its liberal size and influence and, you know, that's what a lot of people hear. You mentioned the, you know, the echo chamber. That's what they live in. They, you know, the one member of the media tweets it out and everybody echoes it, you know, with their own retweets. And, you know, it's this self-perpetuating cycle of misinformation and disinformation uh, by the media. And, of course, these latest revelations are being largely ignored. It's unreal. Information by the mainstream media. Because they have no answer to it, because they were so intimately involved themselves. So they, they live in this Alice in, Alice in Wonderland, you know, head in the sand, uh, down the rabbit hole kind of existence where they just pretend and hope um, that, you know, people don't notice that, you know, they're overlooking and ignoring it. And it, it's tragic, really. Yeah, it really deserves the American public because our founding fathers truly uh, believed that a free press was key to democracy, key to our constitutional republic. And yet you see today an extraordinary effort at um, 
deceiving the democracy, deceiving the constitutional republic. And I, and I was talking to Newt Gingrich recently. He had this really fascinating thing that you take the media, the Democratic Party, and the permanent bureaucracy of federal government, and together they've been working together over the last four or five years in a way that basically creates one-party rule, banana republic rule. And I, 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 when he first said it, it sort of stunned me, and I've been you know, walking through and thinking through that. Uh, there really is this alliance that's been growing, and we see it in, in the way these most recent stories are covered. Is there any way to break that alliance? How, what's, the, what's the panacea here? Truth. Truth. You know, uh, <laughs> truth that reaches as many people as possible is the only solution. I'm not sure it's a panacea. There may be none. Uh, but I'll give you an example. I mean, you know, this latest information, the declassified handwritten notes of, of John Brennan. Right. It is so insidious that so much of this was hidden by Barack Obama. He could have blown the whistle on the CIA, That's on it. the FBI. On you know, in July of 16. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the, the information that the intelligence community had uh, gathered was so credible and so persuasive that, that John Brennan literally rushed over to the White House to brief, debrief, uh, President Barack Obama. And so what did they do? They all remained silent about it. Now, Brennan covered his butt by sending a an investigative referral on Clinton to right. James Comey and Peter Strzok, knowing full well that those two guys, more than anyone else, would bury it. And that's precisely what they, they did. And of course, last week when <clears throat> Comey testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, I mean, my goodness, he was confronted with this evidence of the referral by the CIA to investigate Clinton. And he feigned total amnesia. He sure did. Oh, you know, he said, gee, it doesn't ring a bell, which was utterly preposterous. Yeah. You don't forget something this important. The CIA doesn't send these sort of referrals very often, according to the U.S. intelligence officials I interviewed. So it'd be hard to imagine it had been forgotten. Yeah. I mean, no possible way. So, you know, and it's not just uh, Barack Obama, but my goodness, what about John Brennan? I mean, after he leaves the CIA, he joins MSNBC as a paid commentator and spends the next three years driving the false narrative that Trump is a Russian asset. Yeah. Uh, and, and now, of course, he claims, well, I only, uh, you know, briefed the president because I wanted to show him what great intelligence we had. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just stupid. And then he also said, and by the way, uh, Hillary Clinton didn't do anything wrong or illegal. He doesn't know that. He's not a lawyer. He's not familiar with the federal codes. And the fact that he sent a referral to the FBI yeah. indicates that he well knew that potential crimes may have taken place. That's the key thing here. This wasn't an intelligence referral. This was a you know an investigative referral. And uh, that means somebody in the CIA had concern that what they were seeing in real time. And, you know, the CIA doesn't take a single piece of intelligence like this in a vacuum and don't do anything else. They go and start to check it out and see... Are what the Russians, what we intercepted the Russians saying true? Do they have something here? And they, they flesh it out, and they would do that before they ever briefed the president, and they would do that before they ever sent an investigative referral. So they had a reason 
to to send this over. They could have very well said, listen, we got this, but this is Russian disinformation. Ignore it. They didn't. They did the opposite. And that's because after the intercept, they see all this activity, right? They see Christopher Steele walk into the FBI. They see a known Russian spy um, uh, who becomes subsource one uh, or a suspected Russian spy who becomes subsource one for Steele talking to Steele. And they, and they start to see the Russians feeding disinformation to Steele and Steele walking it in to the FBI. Now, you, you mentioned Brennan. Uh, isn't a lawyer, but you are. So we have a great advantage here today. Um, when you look at this, what sort of legal issues does uh, the revelation that the FBI had reason to suspect this was a dirty trick from the beginning and then they carried it out anyways, what sort of legal issues and who's in the most harm's way when you look at this new revelation? Well, let me put it this way, and I'll give you an example. If you uh, deliver a false statement, file a false police report, or answer questions knowingly false to a police officer, you are invariably charged uh, with lying to police, making a false statement to police. The same thing applies under the federal statutes. Uh, it, it is a felony to give knowingly false information to a federal law enforcement agency such as the FBI and the Department of Justice. So if, if Hillary Clinton and her uh, Confederates concoct a lie and feed it to the FBI and the Department of Justice, remember, right. or at the DOJ. They're in together. That, you know, that is arguably uh, a couple of felony crimes. It could be uh, 18 U.S.C. 1001, making a false statement. Uh, it, but it could also be conspiracy to defraud the federal government, uh, you know, trying to exploit and manipulate a law enforcement agency or two of them uh, for uh, to perpetuate and propagate a lie. Now, you know, those are just a couple of the possible potential crimes that someone like Durham could be looking at. Um, it's unclear to me whether uh, whether Durham is actually focusing on the Brennan declassified memo. It might be uh, something in his wheelhouse, uh, you know, but obviously you and I uh, both know he's looking at a variety of other things. So, we, you know, we have to wait and see. A lot of it depends on who and how the information uh, was uh, being delivered or disseminated to federal law enforcement agencies. Yeah, that's really a key a key thing. And, and, and people get frustrated sometimes, and I, I'm sure I'm among them, when they realize how slow this um, investigation has been. But um, Durham, I've seen very strong evidence that there's a really active investigation that Barr and Durham really are trying to get to the bottom of things. But uh, all the fine print often will determine what charges you bring across. And, and when you have wily witnesses like a John Brennan or a, uh, a Peter Strzok, uh, it seems like it takes a lot longer to lock down the evidence because of all the bobbing and weaving that these crafty former law enforcement officials can do. As you look out now, what, uh, what do you think happens? I, I, uh, do you think there'll be charges before the election or do you think that boat has passed? And could there be something after the election? Uh, what's your expectation for the Durham uh, probe? Well, I tend to, as every day goes by, I tend to agree with something you said recently that it, it, at this stage it may be more likely uh, 
that any action by Durham um, would take place after the election. Um, I was optimistic it would happen before. Sure. Uh, but, you know, COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns. And no the doubt that had an impact. Really had a huge impact yeah. on their ability to interview witnesses, to gather some of the evidence, you know, like the rest of us. You know, they were restricted and handicapped by virtue of, of what occurred unexpectedly, the pandemic. So, you know, I, I, I think it, but for uh, COVID-19, I, I, I think it would have happened before the election. But but now it looks like uh, at this stage, it may be way too close to the election. And they're sensitive to the fact that it doesn't, you know, they don't want whatever they do to be dismissed as politically motivated to influence the election so they may they may hold off until afterwards yeah i I think that's the guidance i've been getting and talking to people around it but i I do i do get the sense there's been a very serious investigation and very hard questions being asked and very important uh, evidence being um gathered now big thing happened last night we get through the declassification everybody's talking about that and then president trump about nine ten o'clock last night tweets out I've ordered everything to be released. Ta-da, it's going to get all released. What do you think happens? And do you have some favorite remaining outstanding documents that you would like to see declassified given all the great work and investigating you have done yourself? Well, just for example, look at uh, Brennan's declassified handwritten notes of his meeting. Yeah, there's a big section missing, aren't there? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my goodness. Talk about, you know, blackouts. Uh, You know, it's it's redacted uh, nearly every page. And vital information, by the way. And, you know, the president is making making clear he wants everything now declassified completely and redactions removed. But let's remember that he actually ordered this uh, on May 23rd, 2019. So that's 15 months ago. Yes. And he, you know, he... Uh, directed uh, Attorney General William Barr to declassify all of these Russian investigation documents. The trouble is that, you know, all of the people in the deep state, and you you described them, especially in the intelligence apparatus, right. um, have, have been hiding it, uh, concealing information. They've been fighting the declassification every step of the way with every conceivable procedure. And he really didn't have a, an aggressive director of national intelligence until first Rick Grinnell as acting DNI and now permanently uh, Senate confirmed, uh, John Radcliffe. And, and, you know, Radcliffe's the kind of guy who, you know, truly takes this seriously. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, he, he is working, I think, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get it done. And I, you know, I wrote in my, in the column I just posted uh, literally minutes ago on foxnews.com, you know, that when all of it is declassified, uh, there will be a mountain of damning, incriminating evidence about just how devious and corrupt uh, these government officials were in the Russia hoax. So, you know, frankly, I think we only know the tip of the iceberg. More to come. Yeah, I think that's right. I just uh, took a look at that column, and you, you've got it just right. I mean, I think the 
the uh, we have you know we have the central nuggets of the story, but we don't have all the tactics and players who who were involved. And there's so many questions. I I saw yesterday Ron Johnson uh, dropped a subpoena for Stefan Halper, one of the uh, informants who engaged Papadopoulos and um, Carter, Page. Carter Page. And he there's just so much mystery surrounding what was he doing with the Pentagon think tank known as the Office of Net Assessment. How did he get back into the FBI after he had been terminated previously as a as an informant? Um, do you think that we'll get, how much do you think we'll get out before the election? How much do you think we'll get out after the election? You know, I, I think, uh, the vast majority of the declassified information, which I think will be stunning, will, uh, will take place after the election. Yeah. Yes, we're going to be getting some over the next, uh, 20, 25 days. I mean, I think Radcliffe is committed to that. Uh, I know the president is, I think right. Bill Barr is as well. So we'll get some of it before the election. I think a lot more after the election. Um, because I mean, you're really talking about uh, a lie that was so uh, easily invented, but the truth so carefully hidden. And, yeah, such an important know, and there point. There are so many enemies of that truth that have been fighting it tooth and nail. They'll continue to do so. But I do have confidence in Rackless. Uh, and in Durham, and, and especially in Bill Barr to get to the bottom of it. Uh, last question, because I, I know you got to get rolling, but I wanted to ask you about the Hunter Biden um, uh, scandal, which you know Fox News and you and I and others continue to report on. Uh, do you think, despite the American media sort of suppression of a lot of the facts, that people are beginning to understand the narrative? And, and what do you think is the most important part of the narrative for uh, everyday voters to understand about what Hunter Biden was doing in, in his father's jet stream? Um, the, the most important is for people to read your article. <laughs> oh, and thank you. It because truly you are the, the leading voice of, of the facts and the evidence. And what I, I like about your work is that you always uh, link the document. That yeah, let people see it themselves. Content of your story so people can can read it for themselves you know it was such a blatant lie last week by yeah. former vice president joe biden when he said uh oh that's all been discredited right it's not true he said <laughs> by, yeah. by whom it's in the senate report it's in the uh reference treasury department documents and nobody has discredited it no. it, it is a fact that is based on on you know documented evidence that he received Hunter Biden received a 3.5 million dollar wire transfer uh, from Elena Baterana uh, you know who who's an oligarch and the money was allegedly dirty money I mean, right yeah that's what the U.S. government says in the legislation money. they passed yeah yeah and human trafficking and so on and so forth so for Joe Biden. To say, oh, it never happened, it's been discredited, was a brazen uh, lie and deceit. And it, it was troubling to me that that wasn't brought out the moment he said it in, in real time. Because it was a missed opportunity, it, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So, you know, he, and but what Hunter Biden did is so stunning. I mean, it, he's a notorious grifter who has always leveraged his father's fame and position in government power for profit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's 
smacks of of uh, influence peddling and corruption. And and again, you know, Joe Biden was a participant because he's he is essentially extorting the government of Ukraine, withholding a billion dollars under threat, unless the prosecutor happens to be investigating Hunter Biden's uh, company, Burisma, is fired. And of course, when he is fired and the, the billion is released to Ukraine, uh, the investigation at that stage, at least, uh, was terminated. So, you know, the extortion, the bribery um, succeeded by Joe Biden. And, you know, all of this needs to be thoroughly investigated and brought to the uh, attention of the American public because the mainstream media yeah. will never do it. They will continue to be advocates and protectors of Joe Biden. It, it is remarkable. And, uh, you know, I, the, the documents that came out last week where you see the um, State Department's using their intelligence tools to monitor Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and myself and others who were working on this story at the time uh, reminds you the advantages that the government has to try to get ahead of your reporting. You know, you're just trying to do honest reporting. You're making phone calls. You're, you know, you're using your social media to try to explain what's going on. And I, I was literally surprised to figure out there was an operation on the other side trying to get ahead of it. And when you look through the documents and you see what those career State Department officials, George Kent wrote, why were we doing this monitoring? He gave four reasons. One of them was he didn't he wanted to get ahead of the story on George Soros and his relationship with the uh, embassy. But one of the other ones was he saw the Burisma Ukraine Hunter Biden story as a quote unquote mother load. That's his word, not mine. That could carry on to the 2020 election. When you think about that, Greg, when you see uh, a State Department official saying the reason we need to monitor journalists is we can't let this story about Joe Biden that could affect his 2020 aspirations continue to grow. What does that say about the state of that bureaucracy? It, it says they're corrupt and they're ruthless uh, they're, and they're unprincipled and they, you know, they don't give a damn about the law. Um, I was relieved to see that they were monitoring you instead of me. Um, <laughs> But but at the same time, I realized, well, that means they think you're a better reporter. Ah, that's hard to argue that one. You are, uh, Greg, you, you, your work is epic. And, and, you know, I think people forget. I just want to say this because uh, I don't get a chance to say it on air very often. You were so early to see the big picture. I mean, Sarah and I and others were, I think we were down at, 2,000 feet trying to dig up, you know, things under the rocks. and But you saw almost immediately the, the entire nature of the conspiracy and what was going on. And you look back at the at the first book, uh, uh, The Russia Hoax, and it is, you know, everything has been verified and, and, and fleshed out factually, but you saw it for what it was in the beginning. And, and that's an amazing gift uh, to the American people because without your voice out there and your legal analysis early on, the rest of the media was, you know, going to bowl us over. And I... Um, History will look back, I know, and the American people will look back that uh, you made an enormous contribution in getting us to see the big picture of what Russia collusion was, which was you know, an incredible scandal, maybe the biggest scandal of our, our lifetimes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is the biggest scandal of our lifetime. And your, your comments uh, about myself and my books uh, are, are very kind. But you will notice, uh, and our readers will notice, that uh, your work is cited perhaps yeah. more than anybody Very else grateful. in the, in the, in the <laughs> innumerable footnotes as well yeah. as the text 
of those books. So yeah. uh, hats off to you, really. Yeah, we're, we're very grateful. I know there's a mutual admiration society, but the work is real. And I know how many hours you put in a day because it, it's not easy to write a book and also be on television and writing columns and analyzing things. Uh, you were working 24-7, and for that, the American people are grateful, I know. Greg, we'll try to get you back on, maybe just before, just after the election. But uh, until then, thank you for all you do. And uh, let's see how uh, the next 26 days play out. Okay. My, my pleasure, John. Thanks very much. Thanks, Greg. All right, folks, we're going to come back in a few seconds and wrap things up. Uh, but first, got to go to a quick commercial break. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. How quickly the time goes when you have a great guest like Greg Jarrett. I could have spent all day talking to Greg. His books are masterpieces of investigative reporting and legal analysis his work on Fox News every night is so important to the country, and uh, I thought he really helped us understand the really big developments that just happened on our watch over the last uh, 24 hours. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Greg. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of uh, John Solomon Reports at justthenews.com. We'll have to sort through the smoke at the OK Corral after the vice presidential debate tonight in Utah. Here's something to watch for. My sources tell me that Kayla Mueller's parents, uh, that's the woman who was beheaded by that heinous ISIS guys that were brought to justice today, um, they may be at the debate tonight as guests of, you got it, Vice President uh, Mike Pence. Hmm, I wonder what message that will send. Their daughter was killed on Obama's watch. Her, their daughter's killer was brought to justice on President Trump's watch. Can't imagine that's an accident that that optic is going to be there tonight. Keep an eye out that. My sources are telling me that could very well happen. And there could then be a memorial dedicated to the Mueller family tomorrow in Arizona. Let's keep an eye on that as well. Finally, some closure and justice for these incredibly brave families who watched their loved ones die at the hand of ISIS. And for a long time, certainly under the Obama administration, had little action. Now, under President Trump, they're in custody. They're in the United States. They're indicted. They're going to prison. All right, folks, that wraps it up from John Solomon Reports. Have a great day. Be sure to check out justthenews.com all the time. we got breaking news whenever you look. And we'll be back at this tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. So long. So long.